And welcome to another edition of Punter's Platform. It's John Brennan of the Sunday World here standing in this week. We've Niall Cronin from The Herald and Jack O'Toole from Independent.ie. And immediately we're joined on the line by Barry R of Betfair, who has a little bit of news for all those Irish supporters who are wondering, are we going to get to the World Cup or not in the wake of Monday's wonderful win in Cardiff? Barry, how are you? I'm very well, John. Thanks. Yeah, I suppose, obviously, the bookmakers are betting on the blind at the moment, not knowing who's going to come out of that pot on Tuesday's draw just yet. But um, we've gone 6-4 to four Ireland to qualify. So that could work out to be a bit of value, or it could go the other way. It might be value at all if we're drawn against one of the better teams. Well, if we get stage, Italy, it's not value at all. Anyone else, <laughs> yet, <laughs> anyone else, there's a bit of value in it. Well, you roll the dice, you take your chance down, you know that. So, yeah, 6-4 to four it is at the moment. Like I say, you're betting on the blind there, though, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Jack, would you take a piece of that? It depends who we get, yeah, John. I mean, like if if it's if it's Denmark, I can definitely see it. Uh, Croatia, not so much with Luka Modric and Mario Mandzukic. I think their class. Um, Italy, I don't know. We obviously had the win last year with Robbie Brady, but it really was a bit of a second string Italian team. Um, so with them actually trying to get into a World Cup, playing a full strength side, I don't know. There, we are a difficult team to beat. But then again, I mean, you look at the France result last year, the Belgium result last year against big teams. We haven't done particularly well. So I mean, on current form. And, and I suppose riding that high of that Wales result, there's, there's, there is a bit of momentum behind Ireland. Um, but I think I, I would take it just on the fact that you could get Denmark or Switzerland. Um, I was about to say, no fancy. one's talking about Switzerland, Barry, and they're going to be in the draw. And I watched them last Tuesday night. Now, I know Portugal are the European champions and they have a certain number seven playing for them. But Switzerland look very moderate. I'd take a game in, out in Baal against Switzerland any day of the week. I think that's the only game they lost in qualifying. It John. is. Uh, they were in a pudding of a group, though. They had the Faroe Islands and Andorra <laughs> and Latvia and uh, God knows what. They. Yeah, one that we'd probably struggle to get out of. Well, we'd struggle to get out of any group. We do not do things easily, Barry. We just don't. Never. But Look, if we got Switzerland or Denmark, I'd be happy. And the funny thing about Croatia, yeah, Jack is right. They have some wonderful footballers playing with some of the best clubs in Europe. But apparently the two biggest grounds in the country are closed at the moment for renovations. They're having to play their home games in an 8,000 capacity stadium in Rijeka, which would be an absolute nightmare for the Irish fans who want to go to the game. But it would be fabulous for the team who wouldn't have to play in Zagreb. I've been in the stadium in Zagreb. It's a very hostile atmosphere. It's 55,000 fans. It's not a nice place to go. If we're going to play our away game in a stadium holding only 8,000 fans, like home advantage doesn't really count there, Barry. No, yeah, it certainly wouldn't. And obviously that would uh, impact on the price as well. Yeah. Um, so obviously, John, you think uh, Switzerland, if we got them, that 6-4 to four is a decent bet about them, but not Italy. So fingers crossed oh, yeah. you're right and we get Switzerland. I, I take 6-4 to four again, I need the other three because of that thing with Croatia and their ground. But Italy, no, I want 10-1 to one if you want us to beat Italy. <laughs> well, like, isn't it amazing? Like, last, was it, last week we were sitting here and it was all doom six and to gloom. One. Well, it was 6-1 to one Ireland to qualify for the World Cup last week. So the... The 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 their odds have, have have come in by more than three quarters. Did many take that six to one, Barry? Yeah, there was plenty of money for it. Uh, Noel, yeah, a lot of money knocking around for them. Obviously, it's part one of a two-part bet yeah. that we that's been uh, got up. But um, yeah, there was plenty, a few quid knocking around for it at the six. That has to be said. Anyone looking to trade in the bet, Barry? No. Say <laughs> again, John. Anyone looking to trade in the bet and get get out ahead? <laughs> no, not not yet. They're happy enough to stick. Uh, on the horsey front, uh, Aidan O'Brien could make history this week. He needs two Group 1 winners to tie the great Bobby Frankel, three to beat him. 
Uh, I gather you're, pay, you're offering 1-8 to eight that he will do it, but uh, some people are offering 6-1 to one that he'll do it this weekend. He has about eight runners in five different group ones on three continents, and uh, he's going for this, obviously. Yeah, he really is. Well, I, I'll be in Newmarket. I'm travelling up there tomorrow. I'm in the UK at the moment, and obviously it's the Phillies Mile tomorrow where he holds a nap hand as well. He's, he's uh, some really smart Phillies in there. And also then tomorrow there's going to be in the Dewhurst, uh, or on Saturday in the Dewhurst, he's got a, a couple of horses in that as well. At this stage, U.S. Navy flag and sea henge. Um, U.S. Navy flag at the moment, I think around an 8-1 to one chance. It's going to be his 10th run this year. Can you Shit. believe that for a two-year-old out of that Incredible, yard? But, yeah. uh, the the favourite in the race in the Dewhurst, expert die, strong favourite at 4-7. to seven. Uh, Won a good renewal of the vintage stakes in Goodwood. And Michael State, without waxing lyrical about him, he did have a glint in his eye that day that expert I can train into a really nice uh, nice horse and they've Barry, been very patient with it Barry or Niall can either of you uh, tell me the last year Aidan O'Brien didn't have the favour for the Dewhurst <laughs> if yeah. it was a long time ago that's for <laughs> sure uh, it's incredible, and as you say, his best pr- priced horse is a horse who's run ten times and is eight to one. And, and such a vintage year for him as well. Yeah. And I mean, he has such a strong hand in the two-year-old fillies division. But um, it, it really has opened up now. I would have been taking a chance here with verbal dexterity if if, if he had a scope, yeah. if he had a scope better this morning. But unfortunately, he's out, and it would look now that it's expert eyes to lose. And maybe there's a lot of punters will will actually fancy a bit of the four to six, but expert eye now because. You know, with Aiden not having the strongest hand maybe in this division or in this particular race at least, um, you know, and verbal dexterity, uh, a proper group horse in his own right now gone, people might take the chance, even though Expert Eye is off the track since August. And, well, is you know, that a bit skinny, Barry? Four to six, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the horse hasn't even run in a group one yet, has he? No, he hasn't, no. He, he's actually four to seven. He's even skinnier than what, what you thought, yeah. But I suppose the race uh, hasn't worked out too bad, the Goodwood the, race. The one he won, yeah. Four to, yeah, the vintage stakes in Goodwood. He's he's also just a four to one chance for next year's uh, two thousand guineas. Like I say, I think it's it's obviously more on potential than what he's actually done already, as it always is with these two year olds at this time of year. But Michael Stout thinks very very highly of the horse, and I think that's factored into his price. The race has broken up a bit with verbal dexterity coming out because yeah. of the. I, I think it's because of the good ground. I, I hear it's, it's eighteen or twenty degrees in Newmarket at the moment. The ground could be fast this time tomorrow. But uh, one horse that an honourable mention to is Emirate for um, John Godson um, and Jim Crowley in the plate there. He won a novice race in Newbury over seven furlongs after uh, having having a decent first run when he finished fourth first time up this year. But he's been really well supported in our anti-post market. He was as big as 10 to 1 during the week. He's at the 4 to 1 now in the day of race market on the Betfair Sportsbook. So he's one to keep an eye out for as well and probably a, a value alternative against the odds-on favour. Noel, do you want to take him on or do you with Emirati? Uh, I think, look, I think I'd have to be boring enough and stay with expert eye now but at 33 to 1 there thereabouts card sharp could actually just make the frame here he's yeah. just a consistent horse he's stepping up to 7 furlongs for the first time um, Mark Johnson he's he's a battle hardened horse a bit like US Navy flag and just if, if, if one of these is going to disappoint he could run into a place at 33 to 1 I wouldn't be having an awful lot of money on him each way Mo- but moving swiftly on from, from <laughs> 2 year olds skimming across the hard 7 furlong turf to the Cesarowicz, two miles, two furlongs, gnarled handicappers and a few rare old jumpers in there, Barry. What's being backed? <laughs> it's always a great race. Well, I tell you, the market's headed by John Constable and Withhold at 8-1, to one, both of them currently at 8-1. to one. Withhold is owned by Tony Bloom, professional 
gambler. He's also chairman oh, of Brighton right. and Hove Albion. Yeah. He's uh, some really nice horses in training. He owned Penn Hill to win last year at Cheltenham. And they just bought this horse quite recently. He's an ex-Charlie Hills horse. He's had one run since they bought it and sent it to Roger Charlton. Sylvester D'Souza's in the plate uh, with Hove very well supported. He was third on that first run in Newbury just last month over a mile and a half. He's stepping up to two miles for the first time, or two mile two for the first time. Willie Mullins has one in there that Ryan Moore's going to ride. Ryan Moore has a, a, a really magnificent record when he teams up with Willie Mullins in the UK. Legas to Vegas, the ex-David Kelly horse. Um, he's fit from hurling, that's for sure. He will stay. He's currently a 10 to 1 chance. Seeing good money for that time to study a three-year-old for uh, Mark Johnson, also money for that at 12 to 1. There's been a great spread of money in the race, but I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas to Vegas went off considerably shorter than his current price at 10 to 1. And withhold, if Tony Bloom gets involved there, you can see his price getting smashed up as well. Okay. Uh, anything on the football, Barry? We'll, we'll talk about the football in a bit more depth in a minute, but be, before we let you go, we know you're running. Um, anything on the football this weekend? Yeah, there's, I suppose the, the, some of the big matches this weekend, you'd have to say in the early kickoff, Liverpool and Manchester. We've seen uh, good money from Manchester United in that 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. We've also seen Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, they could be the first team in, in football league history to lose nine consecutive games without scoring. Chelsea, big odds on to uh, to give them that, uh, that title. Man City against Stoke. They're all the bankers of the weekend. They're, we've seen plenty of money for Tottenham to beat Bournemouth, City to beat Stoke, yeah. Chelsea to beat Palace. And uh, Man United is a bit of value to beat uh, Liverpool. So I'm that seems to be I was just looking on, on a few sites there, Barry. Interestingly, a few sites have the game priced with Liverpool and Man United both around 13-8. The home win and the away win are both 13-8, which is very, very unusual. Very unusual, yeah. Well, it just goes to show how, how uh, Liverpool have... Um, have deteriorated. It's seventeen to ten each of two on Becker at the moment. Yeah. Twelve to five to draw. So I think that's more an indication of Liverpool's uh, deterioration in recent seasons. Man United eight to one on to beat Stoke. Spurs two to eleven to beat Bournemouth and Chelsea four to eleven to beat uh, to beat Crystal Palace. But uh, yeah, there's there's um, there's, there's going to be plenty of punters stringing together the short price actors this weekend. I was going to say we let you get into the office, Barry, and put put out take out the insurance against those actors. They're going to come tumbling <laughs> at you. Thanks very much for joining us, Barry. Talk soon Thanks, again, Barry. sir. Jack, the football. We let you loose on your which of the thirteen to eights or the or the fourteen to tens or thirteen to tens are you going to take Liverpool or Man U? United, I think, easily. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to Barry there earlier on saying both teams are 17-10, to 10, which, which I can't really understand. I mean, both of these games were draws last year, so if you want to go on the, I suppose, the traditional derby aspect of, of the fixture, I understand that. But when I look at the last six games of each team from since Liverpool got trounced by City 5-0, Liverpool have won one, one game out of that six. They've scored eight goals and they've conceded nine. United are a perfect six from six and they've scored 20 goals and conceded just three. I, I'm just puzzled by the fact that, you know... That's that, the standard of opposition. This is actually United's first game against a decent team all season. If you look at their list of results, they're excellent. Mm. But they haven't really played... They haven't played City, they haven't played Arsenal, they haven't played Chelsea, haven't played Spurs. Yes. So uh, they've been beating up the bottom teams, which they couldn't do last year. It's a hell of a sign that they could. Like, they'd, what, 17 draws last year, was it, in the Premier League? Something like that. They're not having them this year. They're having the wins. Uh, but at last now, they come up against the team... I'd say both Mourinho and Klopp wouldn't have wanted this game on Saturday, would they? Straight after and being without their players for a fortnight? No, I don't think so. Especially, with, I suppose, especially when you consider Liverpool as well, with Brazil travelling um, after beating Chile. Roberto Firmino and 
to leave Coutinho, both have a 6,000 mile journey. So there's that as well to consider. Yeah. Um, Sadio Mane out as well. That's not great, especially over the international break, how big and how influential he's been for them over the last couple of years. Um, but again, John, I, I, I know United have lost Fellaini, but one of the things I was reading about before, uh, it looks like Liverpool are going to start Alberto Moreno. Yeah. When I consider her and Henrik Mkhitaryan is going to be running at him all day, there's another factor that I that I possibly tips me towards United. I, I think United are... I think they're way too long. I think there should be much shorter odds on this. And um, yeah, just going off recent form now, except the fact that you said they haven't played any big teams. They also have wins over Everton and Southampton in there as well. Um, I just think there's so much... Teams. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, bigger <laughs> teams, uh, I suppose, in the past season. I know they're not type there in the quite in the top six. Um, Phil Jones, a uh, doubt for United. I still think they have enough defensive depth there. I still have huge question marks over Liverpool defensively. And now with Mane out... Which way they go from there? Did they bring Sturridge or Solanke in? Did they start Oxlade Chamberlain? Again, as I mentioned, Firmino and Coutinho both coming off massive uh, playing Trips, journeys. Yeah. yeah, so I, I just think everything in this fixture points towards United, unless you buy into the fact that it's a traditional fixture and both of these games were, were draws last year. You heard it here 17 to 10 United get stuck in. Uh, Niall, you have a different one for us in the Premier League. Yeah, well, just on United, they're a sea of blue on odds checker. Like, yeah. you know, everyone seems to be coming into that conclusion now. And, um, you know, they've actually been a not a, I wouldn't say a license to print money, but they've been very profitable to follow this year. And and I know this when you're backing them to win six 0 they're managing it. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, in the handicap, you know, yeah. against those poor teams, they were yeah, very yeah. lucrative. This won't be probably one for the handicap, but no. you, you we've seen it time and time again, John, as you know well. You'll often get these early kickoffs, these big hype matches. They can go one way or the other. It could be nil all draw, yeah. or they could be four one or something yeah, like that. So yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting. But I'm gonna I'm gonna chance one here. Um, your best price ninety two with Boyles about Wofford to beat Arsenal. Just coming back on the back of a of an international break where Arsenal had a lot, a lot more lads travelling. Wofford, you know, they have a manager who's renowned for being, you know, very tactically astute, and he has had the bones of his panel for the entire week uh, to work on that. You know, it's a one-off game. They'll see it as a bit of a, you know, an opportunity. With the fact that Arsenal will be a bit disjointed after the international break. Again, you're not going to put your week to ages on them but you know maybe a little score at 92 you, you could back worse horses at that price this is, weekend is a potential flare up between Alexis Sanchez and David Ospina potentially playing into that yeah sure like <laughs> Arsenal over time have proven to be a team not to trust I found you know yeah. that when 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 you most expect them to 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 put up you a least route, expect them to beat Chelsea in the cup final. They do. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. And yeah. Liverpool are actually another team that come yeah. in there. As soon as you get a bit of confidence behind Liverpool, Bang. they let you down. And there's yeah. no signs of confidence yet. So yeah, I would predict United and you know. Wofford would be a, just a standalone bed certainly not a team I'd put into the accumulators no no ok right that's it the football I've my nap is on the Premier League football we'll keep that for the end of the show and we move from one type of football to another American football with the pigskin and the oval ball and everything like that we've been joined by Ian Gochran here from the Herald Ian how are you have you a few bets from overseas I got uh, I got stuck into the NFL last week in your absence and made a complete bags of it, having given good, <laughs> having given good trebles the previous two weeks in the newspaper in the Sunday World. I managed last week to give the punters a treble, which blew up spectacularly, uh, with Ben Roethlisberger throwing well, interceptions all around the place. But anyway, have you anything for us this week? Well, it's funny. It's funny you should mention uh, Ben Roethlisberger. It was it was against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week that he I think he threw five interceptions. Yeah. as the Steelers got torched um, and it's the Jags and the Rams who I'm kind of interested in this week um, if this 
this is a, that's a sentence I'd never thought I'd say at the start of this <laughs> season. That the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Rams would be a game. It's probably the best game competitive-wise um, over the weekend. Uh, they're both on. They both won three of their five games. Both sitting on top of their divisions, and this is easily one of the more intriguing games of the weekend. It sees a Jacksonville Jaguars team coming off the back of that incredible win, like you mentioned, against the Steelers last week. They they weren't expected to to do anything against Pittsburgh, but they've been so good um, with their defense this year, and obviously that was proved with with the five interceptions last week. Um, that um, as they say, as far as in American football, that defenses win championships yeah. and defenses win games. Um, and even though the LA Rams had been had been lighting up for a lot of the starts of the season, they kind of stuttered a bit last week, and they only put I think they only put fourteen points up against. The, um, the Seahawks who would be another strong defensive team so I kind of fancied the Jags uh, to get it done against uh, the Rams this weekend What price got, they in? Do you have a price on them? I said, on the handicap they're two and a half points at, at 10 to 11 which I think is, is fair enough I think they'll win by four or five points I think they'll keep it really tight they've got they've got a good um, they've got Leonard Fournette who he was, um, I think he had two touchdowns and about 180 yards last week as a running back. I think he came in as maybe the fourth pick. He's a good rookie um, at, at running back. And they've also got, um, they've, got the, they've got Blake Bortles as their, as their quarterback. And he's not great, and he never has been. But the fact that he's not great means that they get to put the ball in the hands of Fournette, yeah. who's, been, who's been a revelation this season. And I think with the Rams' defense um, isn't great against the run, um, I reckon that Fournette will do the same as he did last week and the defence will do the same as what they did last week to Roethlisberger this week against Jared Goff now, who in fairness has been has been good and has been starting to look a bit like he could be an elite quarterback but this is the best defence he's come up against and I would, I would expect him to do something similar to what they did to the Steelers last week Jack are so you, are you with Ian or points of 10 to 11 yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in on a fair few points. I mean, I agree with a lot of the points, but I think he could be understating them a little bit. I think Leonard Fournette, firstly, is an excellent rookie. He scored a touchdown every single week and 181 yards and two touchdowns against the Steelers is is quite frankly phenomenal. Um, Blake Bortles, not bad. He's he's terrible. I mean, he's really he's just not great. Like he's 95 yards. I think he threw against the Steelers. Um, I mean, this guy has been well. He knows not how to not to lose the game. Uh, a game manager is being is that's being polite, I suppose. But I mean, yeah. I think the Jets uh, the Sorry, the Jaguars are really in line for quarterback. There's been kind of rumblings about potentially trying to trade for Eli Manning. Um, I don't know if that's going to potentially come off. But I, I agree with Ian in the fact that looking at the start of the season, I definitely didn't pencil the Jaguars and the Rams as this could be a, this is a must-watch game. But I mean, it really is on, on the on the Ram side, as, as Ian mentioned. Uh, Jared Goff's been sensational. They've Todd Gurley there, Sammy Watkins. Uh, there's some good offenses here, and I think. If if they can keep pounding the ball with with Fournette and they have a really good defense, Jalen Ramsey in particular on that defensive side of the ball looks spectacular. Um, I think they're I think they're a real chance. Um, and I would yeah, I'd, I'd fancy the Jags in this Ian, one. Can the pair of you sort out for me one thing we spoke about here uh, about five weeks ago when we were previewing the NFL season? We had the Jets down for not sixteen. We said there was every chance yeah. they could go through the season bombing out every game that they were a real uh, work in progress, if you like, that they had to go back to scratch. They're top of the division with the Patriots. What's going they on? Pro- they proved us wrong. They yeah. proved us very much wrong. Um, but I, I find it incredible that the Patriots are this week are nine. I think they're nine and a half point or ten point handicap 
um, against the Jets. Oh, yeah. I can't see the Jets. The Jets have been brilliant. Um, I think I reckon they'll keep it relatively tight against the Patriots this week. Patriots, now, fair enough, the Patriots last week, they got their act together defensively. Um, at Tampa Bay, they only conceded 14, but they've been really bad yeah. uh, defensively up until, up until now. And the Jets, like you said, we had them. We had it. I think we had it 15 and 1 or 16 and 0 in the Patriots side, and we had it. We were looking at 0 and 16 for the Jets. So for the two of those to be 3 and 2 going into this weekend and, and facing each other in, the, in a divisional matchup really makes things interesting. And I can't see the Jets winning the game, but I'm sure exactly they'll keep it tight. What do you think? Jen? Yeah, I think it's hilarious, John. Like, I mean, the, the Jets—they can't even lose properly. Like, they're yeah. supposed to lose so they can go zero and sixteen, and they can get one of these top-level quarterbacks. So, I don't know how fans are actually thrilled if they're. You actually only winning get a top-level quarterback if you're number one pick in the year. There is one to pick. Yes, that was yeah. the problem this season. A lot of teams wanted a top-level quarterback, but by the looks of things, there was no Peyton Manning or there was no Ben Roethlisberger in the draft this year. Yeah, Houston, Houston fans, Deshaun Watson, who's been, who's been, he's been very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like the Cleveland Browns passed on him, so no surprise there. But what what I would say with the Jets is they, this is going to be a team that traditionally on offense. When you look at Josh McCown, Blyle Powell, they got Curson there. Uh, as as Ian mentioned, Patriots a bit of improved showing against Tampa. But before that, they were on record. I think to have one of the worst, worst defenses of all time. Point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of all time. Not even just yeah. for a, a Patriots defense, but just uh, just a quite frankly awful defense. Um, so the Jets, yeah, I find them funny. Like there's just winning games that when I mean, they should be losing, but they've already passed their season's win totals. They they were at two point five uh, for the season wins. They've already eclipsed that mark. So you know, I suppose as whoever backed them, um, I'm sure is happy with that regard. Right, uh, that's, but give I do. Your, I think the for this weekend, what are you going for? Uh, what are you going for, Ian? Have you a bet? I I, I thought that the Jets the Jets would keep it in the nine point five on the handicap. Okay, and what about I you, Jack? They're, um, they're they're quite weak. They are quite weak um, offensively, um, but and they're and they're quite decent actually with on on defense. Um, so I reckon even on on the unders on the on the total points in this game, it might be. I think it's about forty seven maybe. It might be a little bit of a play to go under um, and maybe with the Jets keeping it tight. Okay, Jack? Yeah, I'll probably take the Packers at the Vikings week this week, John. Um, I think oh, the Packers yeah. have been sensational with Rodgers, and I think yeah. uh, the Vikings are quite hit up. I mean, as per usual, they always seem to get a couple of big injuries, and once again, it's happened to them again. Um, Dalvin Cook looks sensational. He's out, uh, has been there for a while, and I think there's question marks over the quarterback position as well. So I think Green Bay with, with Aaron Rodgers and what he did to the Cowboys last week, I'll take them. Speaking of that preview show, when we said the Jets would go over yeah. 16, I said Aaron Rodgers at 13-2 to for MVP was the, the pick. MVP. I'm yeah, I'm I'm in the running. I'm in the running, and after five weeks, yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree with um with the Packers this week. I can't believe they had the down around three points. They had an amazing comfort behind victory um over the over the Cowboys last week, while the Vikings stuttered to uh, I think a last second field goal win against the Bears, and the Bears had a rookie quarterback who has very little um kept throwing the ball uh, to the wrong footer short. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> How they um, fair enough. The game is in Minnesota, and they haven't got yeah. a bad record. But they 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 may have to start Case Keenum as a quarterback because Sam Bradford has a, has an issue with his knee. The Packers are coming back off a huge win last week, and for the fact that that handicap to be three points, I think that's probably the better of the week. I, I agree with um, with Jeff. 
Yeah, and I will just say when John Branch mentioned the the MVP race uh, with with the Aaron Rodgers at thirteen to two, Alex Smith has gone into eight to one. He's a quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're now five and zero, oh. um, and he, he does have he's got some great weapons there in Kareem Hunt and Tyreek yeah, Hill. Yeah. So I would keep an eye on that just because. And now look, as I I never thought I would or Alex, you know, put your money on Alex Smith to win an MVP. <laughs> yeah, and the guy's been in the league over a decade, and this is by far it. yeah hasn't done much, and this is by far been his best season. But I do think if the Chiefs can go fourteen and two. 15 and 1 potentially from here I do think he's going to be right in the race I think 8 to 1 is a good price there Okay, fellas we'll keep it going the NFL gets interesting and interesting every week as it builds up towards January and the playoffs take care this weekend the uh, European Rugby Champions Cup starts with Leinster, Munster and Ulster all dreaming of getting to the unlikely setting of Bilbao there ain't no Spanish team in the European Champions Cup this year but the final is going to Bilbao next May and Niall is nodding here at me. Don't ask why, Niall. I don't even want to know. But it's in Bilbao. Are you going, John? That's me. Uh, no, I won't you be going. Go well, well, if Leinster and Munster are there, maybe something. But nice uh, little mid-summer or mid, uh, mid, mid early summer break yeah. in Bilbao would be nice, all right. But uh, uh, inquiries to ERC out in Switzerland. Why they're based in Switzerland is another kettle of fish. They don't play rugby either. But anyway, Jack. Are any of Leinster, Munster and Ulster going to win this thing this year? Are we going to take it back from the French and English clubs? Yeah, I mean, Leinster, Munster, you have to really consider strongly. Um, Munster obviously had that great run, obviously, last year with the sad passing of of Anthony Foley. They were just really a different team and they, they really blitzed their way through their groups. Yeah. Obviously fell in the semi-finals against a much better Saracen side. So I, I look... I. I think Saracens on the verge of a three peat. I think they're still the I think they're still there the front runners. They have an incredible collections of lines, all yeah. really in the primes of their career now, all approaching that twenty six, twenty seven mark. Leinster, uh, I couldn't explain really what happened to them last year. They looked like they were on for record record setting pace in terms of the try scored. Stuart Lancaster really got them going. Really just collapsed um against Clermont and then obviously the Scarlets as well in the in the Pro Twelve. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say Leinster right there to be the last four. Munster, I still have my question marks um, just over this, this whole Johan van Graan situation, what that's going to look like. I, and, you know, they, they seem to be, haven't been starting as strongly as they would have finished last season. So I still have my probably question marks over Munster. I but I definitely question mark as well about the fact that Niall will know this phrase from the horse race and stuff. Uh, many years ago, a, uh, Vincent O'Brien, not even Aidan, Vincent, God rest him, was told by a trainer in England, was told about a trainer in England who had three horses for the derby. Mm. And Aidan rubbed his chin and just said, well, maybe he doesn't have one at all. <laughs> out half is the most pivotal position on a rugby pitch. Why have Munster got three out halves? No one knows who's going to play on Saturday. Is it going to be Hanrahan, Van Bledendal or Keatley? Surely you should not be going into the first match of the European Cup not knowing who your key man is. Yeah, look, I, I think as a general rule in betting on rugby, I kind of like to know who my starting fly half is going to be by week seven. I think yeah. that's just one personal thing that I like to have. Yeah. Uh, in Munster, that, that situation is very unclear. With the injuries to Jack Tout, that has kind of complicated things. So, I mean, on the weekend, they went with Keatley at fly half, they went with Blaindale at 12, and Hanrahan at fullback. All three of those guys can play a fly half. Hanrahan, I, I still think there's question marks over his ability to manage a game from there. So, I, I, at the moment... I, I'd probably rule him out of the running. So I think it's going to be a head-to-head battle between Blaindale and Keatley. Keatley's looked much better this season. I think he's in great form. I think Blaindale is personally a better fly half than Keatley. Um, Erasmus kind of alluded to after the Leinster game that he's going to give his preference, that he, he will know who our starting fly half is going to be this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see there. But I do think personally it's going to be Blaindale at 10. They'll move Scannell into 12 and then they'll keep Chris Farrell at 13. 
Leinster are playing one of, another of these French and English clubs who just uh, sign everybody, as you alluded to. They sign everybody and they run up debts. Like some of these English clubs have debts of 50 and 60 million on it's their incredible. books. incredible, yeah. Like uh, how, how the ERC are allowing that? It, like who is going to pay off that money? Yeah, like, it's a good question. And I mean, what's what's the long-term goal of these things? I mean, the Saracens particularly are in massive debt and yeah. they're, they're still in huge debt despite winning a couple of premierships and they've already got, they're on the verge of going for a three-peat now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, look, I'm not going to be, I don't have much sympathy for the English clubs when they when they eventually go bust if they, if, they, if things keep on going this way. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned Leinster versus Montpellier there. Uh, when I'm looking at it, the line is, is six and a half um, in Leinster's favour, which I do think is a yeah. bit incredible. Um, obviously, look, there was, this, this game, there was... Montpellier won the game in France last year, yeah. um, and Montpellier got absolutely trashed uh, at the RDS by Leinster. Yeah. Now yeah. I will that was fifty seven three, and I will say that uh, Franz Stein got a red card for a high hit on Johnny yeah. Sexton, and that I do think that had a lot to do with that result. But six and a half, when I look at uh, who Montpellier have added this season, Yakuba yeah. Kamara, French international, Aaron Cruden, uh, Dan Carr as deputy for a decade or so, yeah. uh, Jan Serfontein, Louis Picamos, and Ruben Pinar. And they've won five from seven so far in the top fourteen. Yeah. I think it's. I think six and a half is very, very generous uh, to Leinster. So I, I, I'd be looking at Pinar. What about Ulster against Wasps tomorrow night? Yeah, John Cooney uh, in his place. He's done a lot better than I, than I predicted. Um, the Zebra game was a massive eye opener. Um, these things can happen, I suppose. Uh, I mean, Leinster. Uh, I think lost to Treviso a couple of years ago, yeah, and then yeah. they went on to win the Champions Cup. So yeah. there's not. I mean, you, you kind of use that as an outlier. Uh, Wasps have have not been traditionally. Uh, they haven't been very good this season. They're they're two from six, um, and they they've lost Annie Cipriani as well. I mean, obviously they still have some guys there with some real talent, Christian Wade and Elliot Daly. Yeah. Uh, some Joe Lonsbury, they still have some some big names there, but also the Kingspan, I I do fancy them. Yeah, they've been they've been quite strong, and uh, I I think with with Charles Pieter there, Louis Ludic, J- Jacob Stockdale, that back line can really get going and score some tries. So, so by the sound of things, you're going for an Ulster win. Mm-hmm. Leinster, you're a bit dodgy on. Leinster, I'd I'd I I probably still would would back a Leinster win, but when I look at the line, I think six and a half is too. I think it's too. I think it's too. It's too generous towards them. And Munster. Munster, yeah, this is the one that I can that I've kind of been kind of scratching my head over. Uh, they are the line is one and a half um, in Munster's favourite. Yeah, yeah uh, cast they've won two from seven this season. Yeah, you um, prefer to get cast in the fifth or sixth game, don't you? When they've lost interest in the yeah, competition. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. naturally, the French team tend to yeah. nosedive in this competition. Yeah, uh, but when I look at them. They've won two from seven. Now, there are two games at home that they have won against Bordeaux and Clermont. Clermont, obviously, last season's finalists. Yeah. So that is a question. Uh, but they just lost to Brave, whose who's most notable players are Nicolai Bezzi and uh, Tagusa Nagenwa. So, I mean, I, I losing to Brave, I, I, I think that's a bit of a vulnerability there. Um, and when I look at Munster... They've done quite well in this competition last year. Um, they absolutely trounced Racing last year in France. Yeah. So, I mean, for those that have question marks over playing away, I, I, I kind of point to that. Um, and I just think, yeah, after watching Peter O'Matney's um, famous interview now with Reggie Corrigan, I think there's some real bite there after that Leinster game. Um, yeah. And I will be interested. Usually, Munster do respond well in these games when they've traditionally, when they've, when they've kind of had a bit of a hiccup before a big yeah. European game, they usually come roaring right back. So, um, yeah, I, I fancy Munster in this. Okay, an Ulster and Munster double by the sound of things. We'll move on to Niall, who's been busy looking at the computer, looking for a few winners in Dundalk and and even in Punchestown next week with Manella Rocco running, he's been looking at Chepstow with Finian's Oscars running. Jumps time is around the corner, Niall. It's fantastic, and I'd make no secret of the fact, John, I'd, I'd certainly be more uh, a fan of National Hunt racing than Did flat. I? But <laughs> both that said, 
I will be absolutely glued to Dundalk tomorrow night because last Friday was as entertaining a meeting as ever was at Dundalk and that is all down to Pat Smullen and Colin Keane. Yeah. It's absolutely fascinating. You have two men there, you know, would really make you appreciate just how good riders we have in this country and they're obviously two at the very top of their game now and, uh, you know, Smullen to claw it back the way he did to go level for Colin Keane now, uh, as we sit here to go, he'd be going to the dock on, on Friday evening, three in front now. You know, he's really, you know, he, he's defying everything really. We said it will be one of the great Irish sporting achievements if he can win that Jockey's Championship without the backing of a huge stable, which he doesn't have. Absolutely, yeah. and, and it's probably, like, I heard it on the, on, on the, on the sports news on the radio yesterday uh, after he had his treble that he'd gone three clear, and, and, and I was kind of delighted, to be honest, because yeah. we are a minority sport, and, you know, but the fact that it is kind of gathering that bit of momentum now is fantastic, and the season ends in less than a month now. I was now. just going to ask you, what's the last meeting? Is it the, the Leopardstown November Handicap? No, yeah. it's the November Handicap at Nace this year. At Nace this yeah, year. Yeah, so right. it's the 5th of November, it's... It's the first year, believe it or not, it's it's the first year in four or five that the November handicap is actually going to take no place in November. <laughs> the, the November handicap used to take place in October in Leopardstown, but thankfully... Um, Don't worry, there's a bike race in France called the Four Days of Dunkirk that lasts for six days. Right. We're, we're not alone, we're not alone. Um, I think Smullen, you know, Smullen could, could have a you know, a better night tomorrow night. Yeah. But the one thing about this is they're making it so hard from a punting point of view because they are getting bigger price horses, 10, 12 to one shots to yeah. outrun their odds. They yeah. really are. Like, they're, they're doing wonderful things here on horseback. And um, that said, I do think that Smullen has a strong hand. He, he'd probably win the first for Mick Halford. That, that sort of association has been has been very valuable to him the last few weeks. Andesh is going third time lucky in the in the opening maiden and he gets on quite a company. Uh, a recent winner for Adrian Keatley uh, caused a bit of a surprise but probably a modern enough race only uh, last week and this week only went up uh, or sorry, last month and this week only went up uh, five pounds for that. He takes over from Wayne Larden in in, a, in in the first division of a 45-65 I think he could take a bit of beating so they were kind of two small and fancies at um, Dundalk Jar Lyons had a well-backed maiden winner mm. last week uh, bring on the ba- bring on the band makes uh, a debut for, for Jar Lyons and Colin Keane tomorrow so that market moves will be watched for her um, of course Newmarket is, is a fascinating couple of days we've spoken already about Aidan being a, a six to one shot to, to break the to break the record this weekend alone. Um I suppose when you take out the Phillies mile on Friday, mm. his chances are limited enough. Um Rain Goddess would have a chance in the EP Taylor in in Woodbine uh, on Sunday. Idaho runs in the Canadian International the same card. But they're you know if there's a, if there's three Group One winners in there, you'd probably be a bit surprised. Uh, it, you would expect him to win the Phillies Mile, wouldn't you? He has yeah, strength and depth there. Yeah, happily he's your two to one favourite. Yeah. Um, she's already beaten the boys in France. Exactly, yeah. and you know, providing that the quick Didn't, reappearance yeah. doesn't take it out of her, which it just doesn't seem to coming out of Ballydoyle, she would have to have her chance in Australia. Johan Vermeer and Taj Mahal would be outsiders in the yeah. Caulfield Stakes. Riven Light could be an interesting one there. Hartnell, who a lot of people uh, decided the world would be familiar with uh, he's probably likely to be favourite we'll talk to Patrick Mullins now shortly about Riven Light uh, I, I think he could prove a bit of value he seems to be looking at the odds in Australia he seems to be a, a decent a decent enough price for that race and mm. he could prove a bit of each way value there um, also at Newmarket uh, Dabia 
returns after a bit of a layoff for John Gosden in uh, in the Group 2 Challenge Stakes on Friday. Uh, I thought she'd have a chance. Uh, her rating is fairly high. She's taken on Lamato, who is probably a worthy favourite on his best form, but it's questionable enough whether Early he's still... Early. It looks like he's getting good ground in the middle of October. Absolutely. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. How, um, with Goodwood and Ascot and everywhere else having been running a slosh, she's going to get good ground in October. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. And it'll be very, it'll be very, very interesting to see what the ground does coming up to Ascot but we'll talk more about that next week obviously yeah. champions uh, the Cesarewish itself um, sure look when you've pin, you've 34 runners <laughs> over 2 mile and 2 it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one Lagos of Vegas has to stand out yeah. Roy Moore and early booking um, you know she has to make, make appeal but as does Swamp Fox to be honest you know Joe Murphy is kind of coming in here under the radar a bit and uh, you know, I dare say if Swan Fox was trained by yeah. uh, by yeah, Willie no Brian, or or an Aiden, like yeah. you know, was second was second in the in the GPT behind Whiskey Sour ahead of Lagos to Vegas um, at Galway. Then came back a couple of days later, was only beating a neck in the Galway hurdle, and then put up a, a fine performance. To be honest, in the in the in the Grade B handicap at Listowel. Uh, when beaten by Lagos to Vegas, but like carrying eleven seven, Lagos to Vegas had a stone less, only beaten about ten lengths. You know, Swamp Fox could be a bit of each way value there, but um, a very very strong Irish hand, and um, yeah, look, it's a, it's an exciting weekend. And a little bonus now for the punters platform. We're joined from deepest county Carlow by Patrick Mullins, as he surveys all those wonderful horses walking around there in Close Sutton. How are things down below, Patrick? Fantastic this morning, John. Uh, beautiful, beautiful morning here, and all the horses are just coming on nicely. So all the dreams are alive this time of year. So it's a great time of year for us. Good, good. And you're making a raid on the flat season as your dad has done many a time so far this season. But the Cesarewitch in Britain, two miles, two furlongs, and you have a couple of live ones. We do. Um, it's uh, you know it's a, a very uh, historic race. It was a great prize money. So. Uh, Ryan Moore has chosen to ride Lagos to Vega. Um, she won very impressively in Killarney with Pat Smullen. Probably a little too impressively. Um, she got a quite a large hike in the weights for that. And then I rode her in Galway, um, where I think she probably just didn't get up the hill. Um, and, and if I had it again, I might arrive a bit later with her. But Ryan now knows that about her, so he'll know what to do best. And... We think she's probably got a bit more upper sleeve um, in the handicap. You know, she's improved over hurdles since her last flat run, and we're hoping she can do the same in the flat. Has she as much upper sleeve as Total Recall? <laughs> well, I'm afraid she might have lost a bit of that in Killarney the first day, but um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thomas Hobson is he going for it? Thomas Hobson has gone down under to, for the Melbourne. Oh, for the Cup. Melbourne Cup, um, you're keeping him. Yeah, you're keeping so him backwards. Yeah, he's, he. Uh, travels today and uh, he'll, he'll leave, he's done two weeks quarantine in Newmarket and so he's done that well so he's heading down under and we had Joe Marrero booked to ride him in the cup which is fantastic oh, you know fantastic. he's the, yeah. the magic man they call him in uh, in Hong in Kong the, yeah so yeah. fantastic to get him and, you know, again a bit like Ryan Moore in Lagos to Vegas you know it's fantastic that you want those type of riders who want to ride the horse that's a big um, positive and also means that the rider's not riding against you, so it's a, it's a double positive. But before that, and you have another top jockey booked for Riven Light this weekend down under as well, and the coffee, is it the coffee and steaks you're going for? Yeah. 
Yes, uh, Ribbon Light has travelled. He went, he landed there two weeks ago. Um, travelled well. Our head girl, Rachel Robbins, is down with him. She's very pleased with him. Um, the ground is going to be very different. You know, he's been winning on soft ground here in yeah. Galway and the Stowe. Um, so, look, it's a bit of an adventure. Willie enjoys tilting at windmills. And, yeah. uh, you know, Rich is very sporty. So, um, I'm not sure if Wings is using any sleep over us coming down, but... Look, he's in great form. We're going to go down and give it a go and see. It'd be very interesting to see where he lines up with the horses on the other side of the world. Yeah, and um, was your dad, has he finished second twice? I know Max Dynamite did it and he had, what was that, Simonon as well, wasn't it? Was he close to yeah, winning Simenon it? Simonon was fourth, I fourth. think. So yeah, two but he, of them have been placed. Yeah, they weren't far away, either of them. They weren't. Look, I mean, Dermot Wells showed it can be done. Yeah. Um, you know, so he's a, a real, you know, he's a trailblazer in that regard and, I mean, the Melbourne Cup, it's uh, such a, a world-famous race. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, Max Dynamite wasn't our chance slipping through our fingers. But um, just, you know, Speaking of which, Patrick, just what you mentioned there a few minutes ago, your dad's a great jumps trainer. But when he comes to the flat, he got Frankie to ride Max Dettori, you've Joe Moreira booked, you've Ryan Moore booked. How do you get the good jockeys on the flat? There's, there's flat trainers would kill for those guys, and you've got them. <laughs> Um, well, I suppose we're very lucky that all those horses that we reverted back to the flat were bought to go jumping, and yeah. we have some very good owners who are able to buy good, young, progressive flat horses, and the idea to, is to go jumping, and if they don't, uh, some horses just don't take the jumping, um, and we can go back. Yeah. So they're good quality horses from the very start, and I suppose we're only competing on the flat over you know, a mile and six plus. We're not maybe competing over the derby distance or the guinea distance. Yeah. Um, so I think I think probably those flat jockeys think that our jumps training gives our horses an advantage over that distance on the flat. Would you agree with him, Niall, yeah? Yeah, yeah. well, look, as, as Patrick has said, it, it's gone, things have gone close and not that Patrick will be too bothered in this, but there has been a lot of money for Thomas Hobson in the last 48 hours for the Melbourne Cup. Um, so, you it's know, the Emirates Melbourne Cup, Patrick. Emirates. Niall has to get down there, you know. <laughs> We're big fans. We're big fans of the Emirates Melbourne Cup on this show. Just on that, Patrick, I suppose while while we're talking Melbourne, um, two things: Max Dynamite, you know, probably faces it might be slightly up against it to get into the race. But um, I think your father is kind of happy enough with how he's going, is he? Yes, uh, I rode him his last run in Killarney. He got a nice confidence booster. Um, the conditions of the race let him in very well, and that was great for him. To, to get his head in front that does wonders for horses um, so look we wouldn't be sending him unless we were happy with how he is mm. uh, it's very expensive to go down under it's not something that you just do on a whim um, so he's you know he, and the fact that he'd been there and ran well we know he travels we know he handles the track the ground the race um, uh, so we think it's it's worth another shot and Riven Light, you, you know, you must be looking forward. I know you mentioned the ground, but you know his his curve is going in the right direction. And you're looking at some of the the ex European horses that are that are in the race, and maybe some of the current ones. It's it's worth taking a shot at this weekend anyway, and then maybe see where you're going. Then in terms of winks, is that the sort of the the line of thinking? It is. Uh, look, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say how a European horse will adapt to it. Some horses will adapt better and they become better horses. Some horses won't adapt and they become worse horses down there. So you don't know until you run. Um, but there's fantastic prize money. So we're going to run in three or four races. Um, just look, uh, you know... Um Maybe we'll give Winks uh, a sleepless night or two. And Patrick, if you if you had if you had a pick of the the three in the Cesare, which laws of spin, laws of spin, um, Digente and Lagos to Vegas, 
I'll even throw Swan Fox in there. I know you don't train him, but you know you know plenty about him. Which of those would you would you want to be riding? Well, I'd love another go on her in when I rode her in Galway, I pulled up and thought I'd love another go on her. I don't think I'd have beaten Whiskey Sour, but Diginta and Swan Fox finished either side of her. I think if I rode her differently I'd have finished I'd have beat them easy. So she's the one I think. Um, you know, she travels very easily and she has one run and I think she's better than her mark. And I think uh, she's the one I'd love. I'd love a go on. Just one thing: we were talking here last week, Patrick, about the upcoming jump season. How's my hero down there, Faheen? Your dad said he's looking at coming back in the Morgiana, all being well. Is he still on target for that? He is. Uh, Jean Cod um, is very happy with him. He rides him every day. He went out later than the rest of the horses. We kept him in for longer just so he wouldn't get fat. And um, he came in. With, he came in then after Galway, and he hasn't missed a day since. So. Touch wood, look, it's, it's a long time since he ran. Exactly. And he's yeah. getting older, but the signs are good so far, so we'll, we'll try to get from Oriana, but if he's not ready, he's not ready, we'll wait. And the we'll the reason time. we were saying that, Patrick, is it's like a jigsaw puzzle. He's the cornerstone of a jigsaw puzzle in that if he comes back to his, we won't ask him to be Fahin the machine, but Fahin very good, uh, so much falls into place for some of your other horses. If, if he doesn't come back you know, some of your other good horses like Min and Melon and all those guys would be going somewhere else, if you know what I mean. It, it, it kind of a lot depends on this fella and that run, if he gets that run in. Yeah. Um, but look, you, you know, everyone knows how Willie, how Willie operates. He, yeah. he um, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't know where he's put on a toast in the morning most mornings. Um, he, he decides at the last moment for everything. As so. Ruby told us one day down at the Cheltenham preview, Willie works backwards. Most trainers work up to Cheltenham. Willie works backwards from Cheltenham. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't. He's not going to make any decisions about yeah. where horses are going until he has to. You know, he gets yeah. them fit, he gets them healthy, and then, as he says, usually those decisions have a habit of making themselves. Selves, yeah, but he's still on track for him for November nineteen. Is it? We've had yeah. no problems. No hold up so far. That's great to hear at last. Patrick, we were delighted to talk to you and I hope the punters got a bit of an insight there into what's going on at the weekend. Certainly they'd be impressed by your jockey bookings anyway. That knocks me out. That is absolutely brilliant that you can just get the magic man to fly down from Hong Kong to ride one of your horses. Fantastic. <laughs> and Niall is delighted here. It just increases the chance of an Irish winner at the Emirates Melbourne Cup so that he can send back the report to the Herald. He's laughing too. Well, I hope I hope he's right about Thomas Hobson or, or one of ours anyway. We'll, uh, right. we'll enjoy a few Glen Flarkless uh, in, 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 in in the Crown, Patrick. Not, not maybe not the not the thirty years or maybe. No, no. no. <laughs> Patrick, please God, we might talk to you once or twice again during the winter on the Punters platform, and you might be able to give us some more advice on what's going on and down below. Looking forward to it, John. Thanks very much, Patrick. Thank you. So that wraps up our punters platform for this week, but not before you get the nap bet, the choice of each of the three of us on which we're going to hang our hat this weekend. Jack, you're first. Off you go. Uh, United, John, uh, 17 to 10. As mentioned, Liverpool 17 to 10 as well. I know this fixture had two draws last season, but again, just on the form guide, 20 goals in their last six, conceded three. Liverpool scored eight, conceded nine. Have won one from six. I 17 just... to 10, even at Anfield. Okay, Niall. I'm going to go today so hopefully people get, can get in earlier there's a bit of pressure on this now after kind of a couple of good weeks so yeah. I, 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 I'm feeling the feeling the pinch to be honest I'm going to go with Dabia um, 
I just think she's a classy filly and, and, and she could take on the boys here and, and, and prove good value at around 5-1. to one. Um, As I said, it is Friday. One for Saturday to be born, I'd back up Jack, to be honest. I think United, if, you're, if you missed Abia, I think United would be the one to keep the, to keep the run going. Well, I'm sticking with the Premier League too, uh, but it's the killer bees. Burnley and Brighton both to win at home. Two teams who must win at home to stay up in the Premier League this season. It's 13 to 2, great value. 6 to 4, Burnley, 21 to 10, Brighton. Works out a little over 13 to 2. That'll do me. Yeah, it's good value, Thanks yeah. for a great show, lads. Thanks, Niall. Thanks, Jack. Thanks to all our guests. And uh, we'll see you again soon with some more winners. <laughs>